the good, the good spirit that we sense already here, amen. Amen. amen, and how the Lord's helping already. Amen. We came in and went down to the basement and, um, and experienced the good presence of the Lord down there and the prayer time with you men, and I appreciate that. And I tell you what, there's a lot of times you go into a church to preach and uh, you, you just uh, feel like that they could walk a cow down the aisle and get popsicles, amen, it's so cold. But uh, here, I just sense the Lord right off, amen. And it's not like you got to, you know, sometimes you got to have a couple services under your belt to just be able to sense the presence, but here it's just like right out of the gate, amen. So I appreciate that, amen. Well, let me just say before we start, and uh, I appreciate your pastor. I love Brother Sparks and his family. What a precious, precious family they are. My whole family loves them. And uh, we, we uh, my daughter was up here, what, uh, last, was it a week, a couple weekends ago? And uh, with the conference there with the ladies, and she still, she texted me on the way up here when we were on the way up this morning and texted, Daddy, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for the service. And I said, hallelujah, Amen. <laughs> And I appreciate what you folks do up here. I appreciate how y'all minister to people and how you minister to ladies and others with your, uh, your women's conference and, and all the things that go on here. We know and uh, we keep tabs on what God's doing up here and God's doing some great things. And uh, let me say this before I get into the message, Brother Jason, don't start the timer until I get to the scripture, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, but I want to say this, what a privilege it is to have Brother brother. Larry here tonight, Brother Larry Winkler, and he's, a, he's one of my heroes of the faith, and I don't mind saying that I've told him privately, but I say it publicly, and I love this man, can't wait for you to get to hear what God has given him to share with us, and his precious wife is here tonight, and uh, they're just special to us, and uh, I love them, and I pray that God will just continue to bless them, and you be praying for them, looking forward to hearing from him. Well, go ahead, take your Bibles, if you would, tonight, let's look over in the book of Exodus, and uh, we appreciate you having us up here, preacher. We appreciate you uh, asking us, and I've been looking forward to it. We've been praying for y'all and praying that God would help you. Let me say this while you're turning to the book of Exodus, chapter 17. Uh, let me tell you while you're turning that we are having a Harvest Jubilee uh, coming up in the first week of November at, at Winkler's Grove Baptist Church. And uh, we would love for any and all of you to come, Brother Jason. Uh, it's going to be down there, and um, that's the first full week. Now, that's the 5th through the 10th of November, and we would love for you to come and be a part of that, and Brother Larry will be with us in that, opening up the service for us on Sunday morning, and we're certainly looking forward to that. So you pray for us. If you can't come, you pray that God will help us and uh, do great and mighty things, and we'll certainly appreciate it, and God's been blessing uh, in our services, and He's been a helping us, and we've been, God's been Saving some folks, and we're grateful for that. Young man got saved the other day. I don't know if you heard Brother Jason or not, but uh, young man, Brother Clint's oldest boy, got saved. And uh, thought he was saved and all that, you know, and got under conviction. He'd been wrestling with it for about a, for about a month, and, uh, and then he got just gloriously saved, and we're grateful for that. We had a few ladies saved a few weeks ago, had another man saved, and, uh, and then another one saved. We had a baptismal. Now we're going to have to have another baptism. Well, it's not a have to. It's a blessing to. Amen. That's a celebration service right there. Amen. And uh, so we'll have a great time. But we just appreciate the good Lord and how he's been helping us. You pray that God will give liberty tonight. If you would uh, look here in Exodus chapter number 17. And uh, for, for sake of time, I'm going to just 
uh, read a couple scriptures here, and then we'll keep your Bibles open. We will look at a few more here, a few more scriptures. And uh, let's start off here with, uh, let's see here, let's start off, uh, I hate to cut any of it out, but let's just do this. Uh, verse 1 says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of Sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim. There was no water for the people to drink. The word Sin here is a place there. Uh, it looks like Sin, but it's pronounced Sin. And uh, that word there is an interesting word because it means thorn, a place of thorns, or a, or a place of clay. And uh, so we see here in the very first verse here, that there was no water, wherefore the people, verse number 2, did chide with Moses. And it's an interesting word here used, the word chide, because that means to contend or to strive with or strive against. The interesting part of this, the Hebrew word is rib. It's the word rib. You've heard people say they've been ribbony. Have you ever heard that? Yes. Or I'm just ribbing you. And that's what this word here means, to stride, uh, to give some, con uh, to, some contention and so there was some contention that was rising, wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Kill them all, Lord. No, he didn't say that, did he? That's what a lot of preachers do, amen. <laughs> they won't admit it, but a lot of times they're saying, Lord, it would be good if you just take care of this crowd, amen. But this is what he said, what shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. Yep. And the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, watch this, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Let me just say this. Amalek here is a type of the flesh. And any time that a person or a people begins to turn against the man of God, always the flesh rises up. And that's it. we're seeing a manifestation of it right here. The flesh begins to rise up. And I'm going to tell you, your greatest, your greatest enemy isn't, listen, your greatest enemy isn't your brother or your sister. Your greatest enemy is the flesh. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go, and out, and, uh, go out fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. By the way, any time that we do battle, we need to have the Word of God on our side. We need to have it in our hand. Amen. And so Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top. Watch this. Went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let it down or when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were, were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. Watch this. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. Amen. The one on one side the one, and, and, and the one on the other side or the other one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book 
and rehearse it uh, in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek under the heaven. And Moses built an altar, uh, an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have uh, that, that the Lord will, uh, will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So I want to get back to this verse here in verse number 12. Let's look at this. Tonight I want to preach a message on stay the hands. Stay the hands. Amen. Now listen to me tonight. Tomorrow, uh, uh, Wednesday night, Lord willing, I'm going to come and preach a message on stay the mind. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit because there's importance here when it says, when we're talking about his, they stayed the hands. I want you to notice a couple things. The word stayed here means fidelity. It means to prop up. In other words, what they done, well, got one on one side, one on the other side, they propped up his hands, the hands of Moses. The Bible teaches that when his hands were up, the war was being won. When his hands would go down, then the war, they would begin to lose. And so there's a great picture here. Moses had just brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and it's about 45 days or a month and a half after the departure from Egypt. And the Bible teaches in verse number 2 of chapter number 16 that they were murmuring against Moses a month and a half out of Egypt. I mean, of course, we know what Egypt's a type of. It's a type of the world. And uh, in our life, Egypt is a type of the world. And God saves us, brings us out of Egypt, brings us into a new place. And God done it here for these people. And a month and a half, they're already complaining. They're already murmuring. You say, well, preacher, I can't believe people be so sorry and low down. But it's a listen, it happens even today. Somebody say amen right there. And uh, it, it blows my mind that no matter how long you're in ministry, uh, you can see somebody get saved. And man, if they don't stay in the Word, if they don't stay in the things of God, they'll start murmuring real fast. And uh, they got a little bit thirsty here and started murmuring. But that's all right. They were a little, little lack of food, and God gave them food over there. You know how the Bible says over in, in chapter number 16, gave them quail and gave them man in the morning, quail. And by the way, you don't get any better than biscuits and chicken, amen? And if you've ever eaten quail, quail is delicious. I mean, quail is good, man. I mean, I love chicken. I'm a chicken connoisseur. But I'm telling you, quail's a lot better than chicken. And he was giving them bread in the morning and quail in the evening. How can you argue against this? But they got tired of that and they wanted something different. Chapter 17 teaches us that they come here to the place of seeing. And so we see here that there was no water. They begin to chide again. And so I want to get into this and talk about this. I want to say I want the, whole, the whole gist of my message tonight is thank God for good encouragers in the Lord. Amen. And Moses had some people. And we're going to look at those here in just a few minutes. Uh, we listen to me tonight. We, we, uh, you don't have to look far to find the discouragers, but thank the Lord for encouragers. Amen. Amen. Brother Larry, I'm sure through your life that you've had plenty of discouragers, but God's always seemed to put some encouragers there that keeps us going. And God, listen to me. And verse, uh, and chapter seven, verse number six, God will stand before them. And he says to Moses, he said, I want you to smite the rock. Now there's something interesting about this rock. And, uh, I'll, I'll show you something here in a few minutes. But the, the, there's something interesting about this, and the, and the wording here insinuates a rock cliff. And of course, we know that the, there was a time that Moses went to the top of the mountain, and the Bible teaches that God allowed him to see his backside. He put him in the cleft of the rock. So we see a rock a lot, all the way through here, just like in our own personal lives. We have the rock of Jesus Christ. So we see this. It's referred to as a refuge, a refuge. And, and God said, I want you to smite this. And the Bible teaches that rock came, uh, that water came forth. Now watch this. Y'all still with me? Say amen if you are. Now I want you to look at verse number 12 right fast. The Bible says in verse number 12, But Moses' hands were heavy, 
and they took a stone and put it under him. I want you to look at a couple things here because these things are important. The word they there. And I began to think about the word they. They put a stone. They took a stone and put a... I wonder who they are. Yeah. Now, I know that we could speculate and we could say it's Aaron and Moses. We could say it's Aaron and Joshua and her and all this. But I think about over in Jeremiah. If you remember the story over in Jeremiah, there's a story about him being uh, put into the dungeon. Uh, underneath the palace there, he was put under in a dungeon. And, and, and the Bible calls it in a bunch of mire. And the Bible teaches that Jeremiah had been put up to his armholes. The Bible calls it his armholes. We call it armpits. And there was a man that went before the king and said, Oh, king, he said, Jeremiah's been testified against. And they've, they've wrongly accused him and said, He's going to starve down there and he's going to die. The man of God's going to die. And the Bible says the king told him, We're not going to get into that, but the Bible says the king told him, Take you some men, 30 men with you. And the Bible says they went down to where Jeremiah was. They put the... The uh, rotten rags, you know, there's another word for it there, but they put the rotten rags around him. And the Bible teaches that the mire was up to here. So I believe Jeremiah was just like this right here. And if he had gone deeper, he would have died. But thank God, listen, thank God tonight for they. Because the Bible says that they went down and they pulled him out. It took 30 men to pull him out. And so we see through the scriptures, there are some days out there. We see here that they, the Bible says, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there on. Now let's look at this here just for a few minutes, and I'm going to get in my message. I'm a preaching fast. Y'all amen me fast. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm glad. Listen, there's a plenty of people out there looking every day, all the, listen, every day, every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year, looking for some bad things going on in the house of God. But I'm glad to report to you tonight, there's still some days out there. Hey, there's still some good people out there that love God. There's some people that want to go with God. There's some people that's looking to walk with God. There's some people that's looking to run with God. And I thank God. Hey, listen, we need to get our eyes off of those and get them on they. Well, preacher, you don't know what those people. Hey, forget those people. Let's start looking at they people. Amen. Because there's some people out there that want to go with God. And so we see here that they put a stone under him. I love this word stone, and I love to do word studies and stuff. And I'm a rock hound at heart. I started when I was a boy collecting rocks. I've got all kinds of rocks. I've got garnets. I've got rubies. I've got amethysts. I've got all kinds of rocks. And I began to study this preacher, Larry, and I found out that the word stone here in the Hebrew, interestingly enough, is the word carbuncle. And the word carbuncle is mentioned in Revelation, talking about some of the foundations of the walls in the New Jerusalem. And, and so we know, if you know, how, how many knows what carbuncle is? How many don't know what carbuncle is? How many's not going to raise your hand either way? Thank you for your honesty. Amen. But the word carbuncle is a precious stone that is deep red in color. It's as red as red. I mean, it's a blood red. It's as red as a garnet. I mean, it's deep red. And the Bible says that they took this stone here in verse number 12, and they took a stone and put it under him, put it under Moses. And so we see the picture here is Moses is tired. He's fighting against the flesh. He's fighting against Amalek. And the Bible says that they put this stone under him. What's the, what's the significance of that, preacher? I want you to know, listen, the blood of Jesus Christ is what those old timers trusted in. And the blood of Jesus Christ is what we've got to settle on today. Amen. Hey, you're not going to win a battle. There's not a battle out there you can win apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he was seated on that carbuncle. And the Bible says that Aaron got on one side and her got on the other. And I love this. 
The name Aaron means light bringer, the bringer of light. That's what his name means. And so we have one on one side holding up. And by the way, what other, listen, what other, what other weapon can you desire more when you're fighting the fight than light? Amen. Amen. The Bible says in him dwelleth no darkness. Amen. Amen. So we need the light of God on one side and, and, and you got her on the other side. H-U-R, his name means whole. H-O-L-E. And Brother Jason, I began to think to myself, what in the world? What does, what, what, I mean, what, what significance uh, does that have? And I got to thinking, man, anytime we're in the fight, if you read about World War I and II and Korea War, Vietnam, what did they do? They dug some foxholes. Amen. I mean, they entrenched themselves. Why? Because there's protection in a hole. Amen. And I don't know of any better protection you can find than in Him. Amen. Amen. So we've got Moses that's seated on the carbuncle. He's, he's resting on the blood of Jesus Christ. He's a trusting in the light on one side. He's a digging a trench on the other side. He's got Aaron on one side, her on the other side, lifting his hands. And while his hands are up, he's winning that battle. What are you saying tonight, preacher? I'm just saying we need to trust him. Then I get to thinking about that rock in front. Jesus, God said in His Word, He said, "I want you, Moses. I want you to take that. I want you to take that rod, and I want you to smite that rock." And He said, "I'm going to stand upon that rock, and water's going to come forth." Now, y'all think about this just for a minute, because I'm about to have a spell all over you, Amen. And I know y'all were used to spells, Amen. I know this preacher right here; he'll shout all over you. But watch this. I mean, here's the picture: you got Moses sitting on the carbuncle. You got him sitting on the carbuncle. And he's trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ to come. And you got Aaron on one side with bringer of the light. And you got her on the other side, trenching in for, for him and trying to help him. But in the front here, we got the rock that's got water bringing forth. And water's the, you know what the water represents. It's the word of God. I want you to know tonight, listen, if you want to, listen, if you want to win a battle, you gotta, you gotta trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, and you gotta go by the Word of God. It will help you every time. It'll get you through the next day. It'll give you victory in the time of battle. It'll give you strength when you feel like you can't go no further. It'll give you the help that you need. You say, well, preacher, I just don't believe that. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, turn with me in your Bible over there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. The Bible tells us who that rock was that he smoked and water came forth. He says here in verse number, in verse number one, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not uh, that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did eat all that, watch this, did eat all the same spiritual meat but here it is in verse number 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drink of that spiritual capital R-O-C-K. How many of you's Bible has it capitalized? Amen. Raise your hand if it's capitalized. Amen. Capital R-O-C-K. That followed them. That rock in the wilderness followed Moses and followed those children of Israel. Watch this, it followed them. And it says plainly, and that rock was Christ. You say, preacher, I don't believe Moses was trusting Christ. I don't just believe he was trusting Christ, but I believe he was seeing him right there in that day. You say, well, preacher, I didn't know he existed until he was born in Bethlehem. Tell that to Abraham. Genesis 22, Abraham's on top of that mountain. He's got that knife. He's getting ready to come down on that boy named Isaac. And as he's getting ready to come down on the downstroke, 
out of the, listen, out from the backside, he, he hears a voice that says, Abraham, Abraham. And he stops and he says what? And he says, this is what the Lord says. He said, do thy son no harm. He said, for now I know that thou wast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So you say, well, preacher, that was an angel. No, that was Jesus Christ. That was a theophany. That was a pre-existing appearance of Jesus Christ because he said, I know you won't withhold your son from me. And those people come along in the New Testament, brother, and you know what they said? Those Pharisees, and they're talking to Jesus one day, and Jesus was talking about uh, uh, talking about uh, Abraham, and they were talking about Abraham. They said, and they was boasting about Abraham. And this is what Jesus said, preacher. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He seen it, and he rejoiced in it. Preacher, how did he rejoice in it? Hey, if he, listen, if God saved one of your children from death, you'd be rejoicing in him too. And that's exactly what happened on the mountain when he said, you've not withheld him from me. You know why, listen, you know why Abraham was so excited about Jesus? Because he had already seen Jesus at the top of that mountain. And Moses knew who he was too because he seen that rock that followed. And see, we don't understand this. But if you do a study on this, you'll find out that the rock in the wilderness was a pretty sizable rock. It was big. But there was something bigger flowing out of it. Amen? And I want to say to you tonight, we need to trust in the Word of the Lord. Amen? The water of the Word. So his hands were steady. Now let me say this. The word stay here in this text where it says they stayed his hands. That word stayed. It's in, listen, it's important to understand what this means. The word stayed here in the Hebrew literally means to prop up. It means to grasp a hold of and prop up. So these men actually took Moses' arm on each side by their hands and propped them up. Why? So that he could continue to win the battle. So tonight I want to talk about this a few minutes. How how, how far have I gone, brother? I want to talk about stay the hands. Listen, this preacher... And other preachers and other pastors, people that are standing for God, need some folks behind them and on their sides stay in their hands. They need somebody that will be there. I think about, listen, I know this is probably not important to you, but it's important to me. I love, I love the fact that I've got some people at Winkler's Grove that stays the hand of the man of God. See, you don't have to be, listen, you don't have to be somebody that's noticed. You don't have to be somebody that's been really recognized. I was walking in the other day, Preacher Larry, and I come in, I always get there early, you know, long before service ever starts. And here comes a man on that, on that side. They always come in on that side. And this is how he came in, Preacher. He came with his walker like this, and he was a walking about this fast, Brother Jason, and his wife walking beside of him. You know who I'm talking about. And he's humped over like this right here. A few years ago, he come down with cancer and lost three of his vertebrae that disintegrated in his body. The doctor said he was going to die. The doctor said, there ain't nothing we can do for you. But the doctor said, you're going to die. Get ready. This man believed he was going to die because the doctor said he was going to die. I went to see him at Chapel Hill. They had him in a room over there. Everything taped off. I mean, you had to wash before you went in. You had to wash. You had to put on gloves and gowns and a mask. And then you could go in. Before you came out, you had to come to another room here and do the same thing. It was such a sanitized room. And they were doing a transplant of all the things inside of him. And as I walked in there, I looked at him and I said, Brother Dale, 
I want to tell you something. This is what he said. Priest said, preacher, it looks like I'm going to die. It don't look like I'm going to be around much longer. And this is what I said. I said, Brother Dale, you need to live until you die. Hey, listen, I don't care what the doctors say. You need to live until you die. God knows our last breath that's going to be taken. He knows our steps. He can number our heads. He sees a little bird that falls out of the air. He waters and feeds the grass of the earth. I want you to know that He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're battling. He knows what you're going to face tomorrow. He knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. We have a good God. I said live till you die. And this is what He done. He said, preacher, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm just going to trust God. I said, start calling on Jehovah Rophi, the God who heals, our great physician, the Lord who touches us. He started praying to Jehovah Rophi, our great healer. And that was about 12 years ago. And today he's alive. In his, he thought he was going to die so much, he sold his tractor. He sold his lawnmowers. He sold everything because he thought he was going to die. Now he's been out and bought him another tractor. He's gone out and bought him another lawnmower. I go out there and he's a riding lawnmower. He's got his cane where he gets on his lawnmower. He's just not giving up. And guess what? Here he comes. And when he gets about right here in front of the pulpit, I'm up there getting everything ready for service. There may be one or two other people here. It's about an hour and 15 minutes before service. And he'll stop about right here, preacher. And he'll say, preacher, we're still praying for you. And his precious wife looks up and she says, Preacher, and this is what they told me the other day, Brother Bill. They always sat right in here in our church. And I went over there and I told them, I said, I want you to know I love you. I want to tell you how much I love you and I appreciate you. And they both had tears streaming down their face. And this is what they said. Preacher, we pray for you before we go to bed at night. We pray for you in the morning when we wake up. When we sat down and eat a bologna sandwich. We pray God bless this food, but bless Preacher Paul. And keep your hand on him. God, just continue to touch him. What are they doing, preacher? This is what they're doing. They're holding up my hand. Got one on one side, one on the other side. You said, preacher, nobody knows about them. Preacher, they're not important. I want you to know they're important to this preacher. I want you to know I wouldn't take a million dollars for them. Amen. They're important to me. I've got a deacon. I've got some good deacons. But I've got one right now. His name's Clint Barry. Young guy, I led him to the Lord when he was about 11, 12 years old. And uh, he, went through, he went through a bunch of hard times with me over the past several years. And he's one out of all of them that has stood, that has stayed. And stood the test of time. Nobody knows a lot about him, but I do. You know why? Because he's got one of my arms propped up on this side. Dale and Linda Buff's got another one on this side. I've got a widow lady in the church, brother. I've got several widow ladies in the church that are prayer warriors and spending time in the prayer cellar. And I want you to know tonight, I, I'm, I want you to know they're very important to me. Amen. They mean everything. Why, preacher? Because they've got my hands propped up. Some of them are digging trenches for me. Some of them are digging foxholes for me. Some of them are over here bringing light for me and they're encouraging me. I want you to know with the Lord in front of us, and I'm seated on trusting the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm enjoying the water of the Word coming for me. And I got people on both sides that hold my hands up. There's not a battle the Bible says that he could not lose that battle. And I want you to know there ain't no way he could have lost that battle. And there's no way you can lose the battle. As long as you've got somebody 
Staying the hands. Amen. Let me say tonight in closing, everybody here that's saved by the grace of God is going to have to be at war with Amalek. The flesh till the day you die. We're going to war. We're going to be at war. What we've got to do is the same thing that Moses did here. We've got to do the same thing. There's, there's much more I could preach tonight. But I believe you get the jest. I believe you understand. And I believe you understand tonight that the battle is not ours. The battle is His. God's made a way for us to win the battle. You need to know there's going to be, and I was going to go in some detail tonight and tell you some of the battles, but that's not important tonight. The most important thing is that you know that you can win the battle with the Lord. Amen? So we need to keep standing. We need to keep our hands up. Jeremiah, when they were rescuing him out of that over there in Jeremiah 38, had he not had his hands up, they could have never got those rotten claws, rags around him. Had he had them down in the muck, they'd have never got it around him and he'd have perished. What are you saying tonight, preacher? We need to keep our hands toward heaven. Amen. I don't care how deep in the mire we get. I don't care how much, how hard the war is. We need to keep our hands this way. What was important about Moses with his hands up? He had his hands in the air. He had his hands open. Why? So he could receive whatever God wanted to give him. The Bible still said that God inhabits the praises of his people. And if we'll praise him. We were leaving the church, and this is a few years ago, when we were fighting hell by the acre, and we had inherited a bunch of stuff. And uh, we didn't get to enjoy a honeymoon with the church. I, you know, as associate pastor, I came in as a senior pastor, and we didn't have a honeymoon period, preacher. It wasn't a honeymoon period. It was World War III. He knows some of the stuff we've gone through. My wife and we was leaving the church. We pulled out of the parking lot, went around the curve on our 30-minute one-way ride to the house, to the farm. She began to cry and she says, I don't know how you could love these people. She said, but I know you do. And I said, honey, I want to tell you I love them because they're my people. And I said, no matter if they do wrong, no matter if they hurt you, no matter what, I still love them. And this is what I told her. I said, we got to keep our hands up toward God because this is where our help is right here. And I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how hard it gets. If you'll keep your hands up toward God, I promise you. God will inhabit the praises of His people. I think about Paul and Silas in closing. You remember over there in the New Testament? They were just doing the work of God. They were just doing what God called them to do. They took them. They put them in the inner prison. The Bible says the inner prison. You study this out, Brother Jason, you'll find out that that inner prison was down below. Almost like Jeremiah's situation was. The courtyard and the palace was up here. It was in the deep, darkest places. Down there under the palace, you had directly under there, you had a cellar. What Joash was over the cellars of oil, and that was his job. They had oils down there in, in, in typology of the Holy Spirit. But not far from that, just a few doors down, was the dungeons. And what we need to remember is no matter how dark it gets, and no matter how messy it gets, and no matter how hard it gets, just one door down is the oil. Hey, help's on the way. Help ain't so far away. It ain't too far where your help comes from. It comes from the Lord Himself. It comes from the Holy Ghost. Amen. We stay around the oil of the Holy Ghost. We got a bunch of people at the church. We call them cellar dwellers. You know why? Because they're staying in the cellars of oil. And they're spending time with God. And listen to me tonight. Paul and Silas got down there in the deepest, deepest part of the dungeon. And the Bible says when it's the darkest of the night, in the midnight hour, 
Bible said they began to pray and what? Praising. Begin to sing praises. What happens when you begin to praise Him and begin to pray? He inhabits the praises of His people. Amen. Bible says God sent an earthquake. The place began to rattle and roll and all their, all their stocks and everything fell off. And we see that business picked up. Amen. And it'll pick up in our life if we keep our hands up. But sometimes it takes some help. I got this man with me tonight, Brother Bill. He said, Preacher, can I go with you up there? I said, yeah. He said, I want to go to pray. I want to go to pray. Not just for me, Brother Jay. He's praying for you. He's praying for the church. He's praying for you, Preacher. He's praying that God will move on this. God will put somebody on one side. He'll put somebody on the other side. What we need to do is just trust Him and allow Him to do that. Let me ask you a question tonight, and this is what I'm leaving with you. Have we got any errands and hers in here? Have we got any Aaron's and hers in here? Here's the interesting thing about this scripture. Listen, Aaron and her is, is tremendous, and I appreciate what they're doing. I appreciate how God used them. I really do because God, listen, He gives us some people that give us some encouragement and give us some light of encouragement and help us to dig a trench and get in the trenches with us and fight and try to help us. But also He had Joshua. And the word Joshua's name means Jehovah is salvation. And I want to tell you something tonight. We need some people around us. We were talking about this coming up the road with Brother Danny Buchanan. We were on the phone with him for about an hour. We were talking about people who isolate themselves. We never should be isolated. God has given people around us to help us, amen, and to be an encouragement to us. And I want to ask you tonight, do we have any Aaron's and hers? Maybe some Joshua's in here. Moses accomplished some great things. I know there was some failure there, just like everybody's life. He accomplished some great things, though. And it's because God had some people around him. Who's around you? Who are you around? Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Pray for God to help you to be a bringer of light. Pray for God to help you to be one that will get in the trench and dig.